you, Jesus. We magnify your name, O oh God. Amen. He abides in the praises of his people tonight as we begin to lift him up. Amen. He begins to move into this place. And when there's the presence of the Lord is in this place, there's fullness of joy. Amen. I believe tonight God can renew your spirit. God can heal your broken heart. Oh, come on. God can, can give back to you what you feel like you've lost forever. I believe tonight in this house that Jesus is still the answer. No matter what the question is, Jesus has what you need. I give honor to our pastor, our bishop. I give honor to this church. If you have your Bibles with you, let's go to the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is a good and acceptable, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, everybody say the man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And tonight, for a few moments, I want to preach on the ministry of the mediator. The ministry of the mediator. If you would put your Bibles down, let's lift our hands one more time. God, in this place tonight, Lord, we believe, Lord, that you're exceedingly abundantly able. God, whatever situation uh, somebody walked in here with tonight, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would reverse, uh, oh God, those things that seem to be against us. I pray, God, that you would heal. I pray, God, that you would save. I pray, God, that you would deliver, that you would strengthen, that you would uphold the hands of the righteous tonight, God, that you would heal the brokenhearted in this service, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to do all these things tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you're a visitor tonight or if you're just not familiar with how church goes at the end of service, this area around the front is what we call the altar. And the altar is where we go to pray in response to the word of God. So at the conclusion of a service, we may say the altars are open or you may make your way to the front. And if you feel tonight that God is speaking to you, if you feel a connection to what you've heard tonight in this message, I would invite you to come to the altar. And when you come to the altar, we will come and we'll help you pray because we believe that it's a two-way road in this service. Not only is God reaching for you, but I believe also in response to that, you need to reach for God. Amen. And I believe that tonight at the end of this service that somebody's going to come down to the altar and find out what the Holy Ghost is. Amen. Amen. Reading from the book of Genesis, you may have read this recently if you're doing your daily Bible reading charts. If you haven't yet, it's a good time to get started and get caught up. But every year, I believe we should endeavor to finish our Bible cover to cover. Amen. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, 
For God doth know in that day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. If you haven't started your Bible reading yet, I gave you a good head start. Go home and finish uh, Genesis chapter 3. But tonight I want to begin talking about the nature of sin always hides because of guilt and shame. The nature of sin leads us to be isolated. The nature of sin uh, leads us to cut everybody off and to be afraid because we don't want to face the consequences. We, we don't want to face the judgment. We don't want to face the correction. We don't want to face the instruction that, that our sin requires for us to make things right. And in the book of Genesis chapter 3, we know this as the temptation and the fall of man. A good, a good point to make tonight is that nobody made them do it. Nobody made them sin. Nobody forced their hand to do it. They can't say, well, God, it's your fault because you put this tree here. Or Satan, it's your fault because you influenced this serpent to speak. And now this serpent caused us to do this. And even Adam, he said, it was the woman you gave me. It was her that, that took this. And that's the kind of nature that sin has is that it doesn't want to accept responsibility. And it doesn't want to deal with the consequences. But tonight I want to start off by saying this, is that there's some things that wasn't anybody else's fault, but it's our fault. There's some mistakes and sins that we've fallen into, but we don't need to play the victim. We don't need to point to anybody else, but we need to say, you know what? It was me. I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the person that's caused these problems. I'm the person that has caused this sin to enter into my life. If you live your life with a victim mentality, you'll always be looking for somebody to blame, but you never realize that it's yourself that needs the correction and the instruction. We are our own worst enemy sometimes. And we hide in fear because of shame and guilt. Reminded of my daughter Bristol when we were uh, living in a condo at the time. She would go through my wife's purse and she would find the gum. And she knew she couldn't have the gum. So she would grab the whole pack of gum and she would hide next to the couch. And she would crawl kind of in the corner between the couch and the wall so you couldn't see her. And she would perch over this, this pack of gum kind of like a little raccoon looking for some, some food. And she would run her fingers through all those wrappers and open them all up. And she knew she had to do it quick. And by the time it was done, she would probably have 13 pieces of gum in her mouth at one time. And she would do that in secret because she knew, I can't just do this out in the open because this is against the rules. I'm not supposed to have this. And in this story, in the book of Genesis, that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They hid from God because they sinned and did what they knew they weren't supposed to do. Well, let me preach to somebody tonight that when you're living in sin, when you're living in condemnation, when you're living in fear, when your life is broken, when you've made a mess of everything, you don't need to hide from God, but you need to find God and let him make it right. 
God does not want to kill you. God does not want to destroy you. God does not want to see you lost, but God wants to see you saved. God wants to raise you up. God wants to forgive your sins. God wants to restore your life. God wants to heal your mind. You don't run from God when you're living in sin. You run to God and find forgiveness. Let's lift our hands all across this house. Oh, I believe that the Lord wants to bring about forgiveness in somebody's life. He wants to bring about a new beginning in somebody's life. Oh, God, you're able, Jesus, you're able, you're able, you're able. If you could, could you turn the monitors down just a little bit? Lord, tonight I believe that you want to save somebody. You want to deliver somebody. I believe you want to deliver from drugs and alcohol. I believe tonight, God, that you want to deliver somebody from drug abuse. I believe you want to deliver somebody from thoughts of suicide and giving up on life. I'm telling you tonight that if you're in the middle of a bad situation, don't run and hide from the presence of God, but lift your hands and call upon the name of Jesus Christ. But we are our own worst enemies. Because they little did they realize that in, in Genesis 3 and 21, it says unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothe them. God didn't want to kill them and destroy them, but he wanted to cover them. And did you know before there was a covering, there was a death and there was blood shed. And because of the death and the blood that was shed, there was a covering for sin. And today in the church, we have a mediator that is the man Jesus Christ. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was a lamb of God slain from the foundations of the earth. He was a lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus is our covering. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our answer. Whatever you need tonight, it's all in Jesus. It's all in Jesus. If you need peace, call on the name of Jesus. If you need joy, call on the name of Jesus. He's able. He's able. He's able. Is there anybody that can lift your hands and say, He's able? Oh, but we live in fear and we live blaming everybody else. I read a book one time. It was talking about a lady that tried to sue the casino. Tried to sue the casino because she went to a psychologist and they diagnosed her with gambling addiction. They say gambling addiction, it's a real thing. They say that, you know, these slot machines, they line up across the line, and if they all line up, you, you win the jackpot. I don't know. I've never played them unless it was a little toy one. But they say that they program these to just be one-off so that when you pull that lever down, the normal person would see, well, I lost, but somebody that's addicted to gambling believes they won, and they will sit there for hours and hours and hours and hours and continue to play that slot machine until they've spent everything they have. She lost, I believe, $300,000. She lost her house, lost everything, went bankrupt. Tried to sue the casino and tell them, well, you were taking advantage of a disabled person. You were taking advantage of my mental instability. I'm, I'm, I'm not all there because of this gambling addiction, and you took advantage of me. She went to court and lost the case. Because they said, you know, you may have that problem, and you may have that uh, disadvantage. You may have that addiction. But when they came on that casino bus, you were ready to go. You got up that morning and you got dressed and you got in that bus. And when the bus pulled up to the casino, it was you that walked out of it. And when they opened the doors, it was you that walked in there. When, they, when there was a, a slot machine available, it was you that sat down there. And, and the message of, of me bringing that about tonight is this, is that we can't blame everybody else for our problems. But we've got to take accountability for the things that we have done. 
right? There's people blaming everybody else. It's nobody's fault but my own. And I'm telling you, even myself, I've, I've made, I've made uh, failures and mistakes and gone through a lot of things. But I'll tell you, I've got to take credit for that because that's the only way I'm ever going to solve the problem is when I realize it's me. It's me. It's me that needs forgiveness. It's me that needs you to remake me and remold me. Can't blame everybody else because of what we think everybody else has done to us. Ultimately, we are responsible for our own lives. Amen? There was another guy. He would go to the car wash. He would go to the car wash, and he would get his car. Amazing, just amazing car. Brand new Corvette. He went through uh, college. He became a member of a law firm. He was a high-ranking lawyer. And he'd go through the car wash, and he'd get his car all nice and detailed. And he would go down the street, and he'd always make this detour by his old girlfriend's house, and he'd go by her house, and he'd just drive by and say, man, one of these days, she's going to look out that window, and she's going to see who I am now, and she's going to see this car, and she's going to realize everything she missed out on. And he would come from the car wash every week, just drive by her house, drive by her house, drive by her house. One time, one of his buddies is with him, and his buddy's with him at the car wash, and they go down the street, and he says, hold on, i got a quick detour i got to make. And he said, where, where are you going? And he said, oh, hold on, i got to pass by her house. You remember that girl that I used to date? Yeah, I'm going to show her what she missed out on. He looked at him, and he said, man, she moved out of town like four years ago. And he was still driving by her house week after week after week. I'm, I'm preaching to that tonight just to let you know that we need to get out of our own heads sometimes. And get, get away from our own thoughts because we are our own worst enemies. We, we think sometimes that nobody loves us. We think sometimes that nobody cares about us. We think sometimes that, that we don't belong at church and that, that we, we shouldn't be here. And, and I'm never going back to church. But I'll tell you what, you need to realize nobody's been hurt by people more than Jesus Christ. And he shows up every service. Every time there's two or three gathered together in his name. I just want to preach to you tonight. Don't lose your soul over some bitterness. Don't lose your walk with God over some disagreement. You need to live for God. You need to do what's right because ultimately you are responsible for yourself. God bless you. You may be seated. The musicians can come. I'm almost finished. The world today will say, follow your heart. They'll say things like, well, I have my truth and you have your truth. I have my perspective and you have your perspective. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20 says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. I wonder right now we could just lift our hands for somebody that's struggling in the house of God tonight. Somebody that's, that's feeling out of place. Somebody that's feeling unworthy. Somebody that feels like they failed God too many times. Somebody that's ashamed. Somebody that's been hiding for too long. I'm telling you tonight, it's time to come out of hiding and get right with God. It, it, it's time to get off the sidelines. Get back to who you used to be. God wants to use you again. God wants to shape you and mold you. Let me encourage somebody tonight. God still loves you. You may have failed, but your failure is not the end of the story. God has brighter days ahead if you'll get back to Him. We go to the book of John chapter 4. Jesus went to the woman at Samaria who was sitting at the well in verse 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest of me to drink a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Jesus answered in verse 13 and said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. 
This woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come thither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said well that have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast now is not thy husband, and, thou, and that thou saidest truly. The woman said unto her, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Can you imagine just for a moment what this lady's life was like? Five husbands, and now she's on her sixth, which is just her boyfriend right now. Five marriages. Think about how the process goes of, of getting close to somebody and trusting somebody. God said, for this cause shall a man leave his father, his mother, and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When you marry someone, you're saying that my future is built upon the foundation of this relationship. Till death do us part. I'll be faithful unto thee and no others. This woman, imagine, got close to somebody like that the first time, and it didn't work out. We don't know if she had children or not, but it didn't work out the first time. After the, the, the wedding was over, after the honeymoon was over, after the, the dating period was over, it ended up not working out. She thought, I'll, I'll try this again. Goes out the second time, gets married the second time. Same thing, gets close, gets personal, gets married. Doesn't work out the second time. Moving in to somebody's house, moving out of their house after the divorce. Going to the next one, I'm just trying to paint a picture in your mind of this woman. The, the instability of her life. And by this time, probably the inability to trust, the inability to love, the inability because her heart has been broken and her life has been shattered because of the past. In and out of relationships, in and out of marriages, moving in, moving out. Just the instability of a broken past. But Jesus looked at her and he did not judge her and he did not condemn her. But he looked at her as a candidate for a new beginning. And he said, I've got some water for you that will never run dry. It's a well that springs up into everlasting life. As we all stand, the ministry of the mediator tonight is not to hurt you, not to destroy you, not to tear you down, but to save you, to bring you back unto the fold of God's kingdom, to bring you back to salvation, to bring you back to peace. Oh, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I want you to know you haven't gone too far, and God has not forgotten you, but he wants you to be saved. He wants you to get back on your feet. He wants you to get things right. You, you know why you need to stop hiding? Because the only person that can really solve your problem is the one you're hiding from. People wait a long time to go to the hospital. They've been dealing with the same pain for a while and they just hold off and hold off and hold off and eventually they go in and they find out, man, if you would've came in a year ago, there may have been some hope for you, but you've let it go too far and now you've gone past our, our abilities, you've gone past our limitations. I wanna preach to somebody tonight, get into church while you still have a chance. Live for God while you still have a chance. Oh, come on, get things right while you still have time. Oh, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we believe in faith. We believe in healing. I want you to raise your hand right now if God has ever healed you. Raise your hand. I want you to look across this house. There's a lot of healings that have taken place. I want you to raise your hand. Some of you are already raising your hand. Hold on. Put your hand down. I want you to raise your hand if you were ever in a hopeless situation and there was no way that it could have ever improved and God stepped in and turned it around. I want you to raise your hand if you were in that situation. Look around this house. But do you know something? We could talk about Lazarus, how God raised him up from the dead. We could talk about Noah, how God saved him from the flood. We could talk about the firstborn, how they put the blood on the doorpost and all the firstborn were saved. But do you know that everybody that God has ever healed, everybody that God has ever delivered, everybody that God has ever touched, at some point their life is going to be over and that's going to be the end of the story. 
the ultimate thing that God can do in your life, more, more than for me to say, hey, I hope God heals you. Hey, I hope God turns your situation around is ultimately that you would be saved. Because Jesus said it'd be better to cut off your right arm and make it into heaven than to go to hell whole. Oh, I just want to preach to somebody tonight. More than anything, you need to be saved. And God is talking to you tonight. I want to ask everybody in this house this question. If you died tonight, are you 100% sure that you would make it to heaven? If you died tonight in the situation you're in, doing what you're doing, going where you're going, being the person that you've been, if you died tonight, are you 100% sure that you would make it to heaven? I want to go to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 14. It says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Are you 100% sure tonight that if you died, you'd make it to heaven? Let's go to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8. It says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. There's a death here on earth, but after that, there's going to be a second death that comes to those that were not right with God. Why am I preaching this to you tonight? Is because you don't have to go there because of the ministry of the mediator. Because of a mediator named Jesus Christ. He was wounded for our transgressions. Not for his transgressions, but for our transgressions. Jesus Christ stepped into this woman's life and rather than destroying her, rather than trying to send her away, he said, I've got something better for you. I want you to know tonight that God is reaching for you. And if your name is not in the Lamb's book of life, right at this moment, these altars are open and you can come down to the front and God will pick up the pen and begin writing your name for those that repent, for those that are baptized in the name of Jesus, for those that are filled with the Spirit of God. Come on, I wonder if we can make our way down to the front tonight. God, more than anything else, I want to make it. You don't have to be lost because of the ministry of the mediator. A man named Jesus Christ. You know that word propitiation? It says that he is a propitiation for our sins. That means that Jesus took upon himself the wrath of God. Jesus took upon himself the nails that belonged to us. He took upon himself the beating and the bruising and the torture that belonged to us. Why? So that we didn't have to go there. So that we didn't have to do that. I want to preach to somebody tonight that Jesus paid the price for your salvation. And Jesus wants you to be saved. That's the ministry of the mediator. Somebody lift your hands and begin to call on the name of Jesus. Do you want to be saved tonight? Call upon the name of the mediator, the man, Jesus Christ.